Hey guys, we are live. This is Jennifer from the Shooter's Mindset. I've got my co-host here, Greg Cannon. How's it going? Hey everyone. And tonight, this is episode 326 of the Shooter's Mindset, and this is going to be a really cool show. We've got the International Precision Rifle Federation with us. So we've got representation from a couple different countries. We've got Marcus Olsen from Sweden. Hi. Rob Ramsden from South Africa. Hey, guys. Tiff Drew from Great Britain. Hello there. And Scott Satterley from the U.S. of A. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good. All these guys, well, not Scott. It's a regular time for Scott, but all these guys are up in the middle of the night to talk to us. So um, it's going to be a good show, and I anticipate we're going to have a lot of questions, but I really appreciate them being willing to get up in the middle of the night and do this with us. So for those of us that are unfamiliar with you, we're kind of going to do a round robin. Can you start by each of you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in competitive shooting and how you got involved with the International Precision Rifle Federation? Sorry, who wants Rob, to kick this one? Marcus, uh, go. Did I start? Well, uh, okay. Uh, I uh, started competing with long-range shooting, like I think it's eight years ago or something, and uh, that was after I lived and worked in Australia for about a year, and got home and wanted to continue shooting, and I got into field target—not field target, but field shooting matches, unknown distance, paper targets—and um, then I shortly after that attended my first, you know all steel match and uh, we didn't have a lot of those in Sweden so I figured if I want to shoot some more matches I better get organizing my own match and hope others follow and uh, that was the start of the, one of the things I co-created was the Viking rifle series and now we have I don't know 12 or 16 matches something like that I can't remember all over Scandinavia which I also compete in and um, well yeah um, little hobby went and in, turned into an obsession and I went over to the States and shot a match there and shot in Ireland and, you know, been doing all right. So that's, uh, you know. How'd you end up involved now. with all of this? Uh, I don't know. Rob and I, you know, we were all talking and complaining about stuff and, uh, you know, each nation's federation about how gun licensing and laws and stuff like that and wanted to make, yeah, sport of precision rifle into something more internationally recognized and well to do that we needed an international organization and a good thing a good way to start that off was with a world championship and rob was like in early 2018 but let's do a world championship in 2019 like dude that's like nine months away <laughs> uh turned out we needed a little bit more time than that so <laughs> i think COVID happened i'm sure <laughs> yeah that also yeah uh -huh. yeah all right, Rob, how about you tell us a little bit about how you got into all the shooting and into this? Um, I had a really bad accident and I turned my leg around and I was lying in bed for, uh, I think, about three months staring at a ceiling, like a really small, you know, you, and those walls just come in on you. And I started reading on the internet and stuff like that. And Zach Smith at the time was doing all those cool articles, not so much videos and stuff. He was just kind of doing a couple of videos with, with uh, Ray Sanchez. And... I ended up going on a trip after that uh, to Denver and I said, you know what, Zach's like close by here, got him on the phone and said, hey man, um, how about we do a, a you know, an intro to, to long range and uh, started out from there and um, 
was like totally fell in love with it at the time. Um, ordered an AI from um, Sporting Services in the UK, had that imported to South Africa. Uh, that sat in a cupboard for like six uh, six years, I think it was just about. And then I got back into it, uh, starting to shoot Three Gun Nation. And I went over to, uh, I rode one of Zach's matches. It was that epic match where we uh, had uh, 20, what, uh, 22 degrees Celsius um, during the day. And the first day, that night had dumped two foot of snow and the guys carried on shooting the following day. So I was hooked. <laughs> and uh, came back to South Africa. We ran the first match in, uh, I think it was October of 2015. And I was dealing with uh, talking to Sean Wiseman back then. We joined up with the PRS back then and got the ball slowly rolling, you know, and... Um, Started talking to Marcus and Tiff and uh, to some of the guys in Australia and uh, basically trying to get our feelers up to how PRS kind of, you know, so precision rifle worked around the world. And uh, anyway, just it's kind of snowballed from there. And we realized we needed a, um, in South Africa, to be part of a sport, you've got to be part of the National Sports Shooting Federation. Uh, it's kind of like this whole international sports framework. That was a big lesson. Wow, that was a huge lesson in kind of like trying to work out how the structures worked over here. And then the same thing rolled out. And during that time, I was talking to Marcus and Tiff. And um, yeah, suddenly like, well, we need a federation, an international federation. And how does that work? Well, we just kind of kind of built it. That's awesome. Tiff, how'd you get involved in all this? Yeah, there's a question. Um, I, uh, <laughs> well, I was climbing- It's always uh, loaded, isn't it? <laughs> it is always loaded, yeah. I, I, I had this crazy South African give me a call. I was climbing a mountain in Madeira, I think it was, sort of out in the Atlantic Ocean oh, yeah. in 2018. Yeah. And I was on the side about, not very high, about 1500 meters or something. And then this guy called Rob gave me a call and started talking about precision rifle and didn't really stop talking. And about an hour later, sort of hanging on the side of a mountain, um, decided he's obviously keen and I'm keen and let's make something happen. So, um, yeah, kind of snowballed from there. We, we soon learned how much international phone calls cost. Don't call a guy in South Africa from another country uh, on the side of a mountain. It gets really expensive really quickly. So that was my most expensive ever climb at about 400 pounds for an hour. Uh, but it was great fun. <laughs> and uh, it went from there, oh. really. Yeah, internet calls. I remember... Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, the, the first call I had with Rob, too, as he came off it. And Diana's like, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> that was $400, right, for a phone call. I was like, okay, we, it's got to be internet. So uh, That's crazy. Yeah, like FaceTime yeah. Messenger or something. WhatsApp. I you think can, that's yeah, been yeah, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger. But now, but now, you know, I had to turn – so everybody – thinks I'm ignoring them, but I just have my phone on silent mode because these guys start talking at two in the morning, right? And my phone is lighting up and buzzing on, you know, so I'm like, throw that thing on the ground and, you know, step on it. And it's like, it's cause they're outnumbering me. Right. So they're, they're all, you know, you know, eight, eight hours ahead and I'm, you know, eight hours behind. So they start talking in the morning and it's like, God, guys, come on. I need some sleep. But <laughs> So just to kind of segue in, I started, I started shooting as a kid in CMP program, 4-H stuff like that, and then joined the military. And then when I when I came back from an overseas tour, I actually shot the first, my first steel match. I was shot high power as a kid, and, and I started getting back in high power when I got back. Um, but my first steel match was the the first Mammoth Sniper Challenge, which is the fro i mean we call ourselves the frozen chosen it's 2010 
January is the first one is like five degrees in Kentucky and blowing snow white targets. Joe Harris was the match director. I mean, he was yelling and screaming at us and we we're just like, like, what in the hell did I just get into? But anyway, you know, it's, I think what did it for me after shooting paper for so long, as soon as you shoot steel and you get that instant feedback, it's like a little, it's like a little hit of crack cocaine. Not that I've ever done that before, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It just, it just sticks with you. And then you just want to keep shooting steel. And that was what kind of hooked me on the whole shooting thing. And then Ryan Castle, Tom Lancaster and I ran team matches under uh Precision Multigun 2010 and 11. And then when the Rich Emmons kind of reached out to us when the PRS first started up 2012 and we ran the third match, um, I think in the series, I think that year there's only seven. Since then, it's just been, you know, kind of a, a whirlwind of activity as far as, you know, being competitive and running matches and, and trying to have, you know, some influence out there as far as, you know, trying to direct how and what we're doing you know so um and then we we all met up in ireland at a bar and we started talking about this and the next thing you know i'm the president and i don't know how that happened because i didn't volunteer but here we go so <laughs> that's kinda, yeah you could volunteer dude. That, that, that was like a you could, i got you told is what happened right <laughs> that's okay though um you know and it's it's uh and it was uh, it was one of those things where you know you see how much these countries are struggling just to have a sport, and it was one of those things. It's like anything I can do to help um, a framework, right? So you know you, you look at UK or Ireland, and if they put a rifle up on a on a barricade with a bag, that's paramilitary training because they don't have a sport, right? As soon as they get a recognized sport, then they'll be able to actually do that kind of stuff and not get thrown in jail for it. So. Um, wow. And same thing in South Africa and, you know, a bunch of other countries that that kind of need that sport framework in order for it to be kind of a legitimate thing. And they're not they're not trying to be QAnon or something like that, try to withdraw the government. So I think we take for granted, you know, here in America that we can just go out and do everything that we do. And it's really easy to forget that everybody doesn't have that same liberty to go out and do that. Um, at least we do for now. <laughs> that's right. See what happens. But um, yeah, that's really very fascinating, actually, when you think about all the different countries and the different rules and how it is. I know I have friends in Australia, um, my friend Jody um, Lyle that shoots in Australia and listening to her talk about some of the challenges is very, very fascinating. Yeah. It's tough, right? Yeah. So, so Y'all just kind of got together and decided to make the, the, the Precision Rifle Federation been around since y'all talked about it in 2018. And then you're just now getting this match going or is this a newer thing? How exactly did it like come to uh, be official? Rob? Well, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of lead in. I'll lead in for Rob. So, um we started getting we started getting some momentum. Um, a bunch of countries were were really getting interest over this, and then basically Rob was like, "I'm tired of it. I'm grabbing this thing by the horns." And then God, he he's done just a mountain of work for this. Probably, I mean, just the the 
the the mountain of paperwork and you know from a constitution all the way through um you know all the way down drilling down to you know an agreement you know it's like so i mean rob you can obviously talked about a heck of a lot more than i can but i mean he's he's done probably he's done most of the heavy lifting when it comes to this stuff i think he's a glutton for punishment to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, easily 90 um, percent yeah got it it was kind of um here in in so outside of america i mean you guys um america's quite different to the rest of the world in terms of how sport works and for the rest of us, we've got, um, we fit into frameworks in our countries that um, they set up a, a framework for us to do sport in. And um, each country's got its own uh, national sports federation. And then inside of this, that national sports federation, you'll tend to have all of the individual sports themselves. And uh, we've, in South Africa, we have the South African Sports Shooting Federation and all the different um, uh, disciplines of sport shooting are linked into that. I and mean, you've got the guys at ISSF, you've got the guys, uh, that's your clay target guys. Uh, and then we've got, I think we've got 17 shooting sports in, uh, in South Africa uh, underneath that, that format. And the only way for, for many of us to actually get any international recognition to, to, be, um, to be a recognized athlete in sport is to actually be part of that federation. And the government only recognizes that single sports federation, which in our case is the South African Sport and Olympic Committee. So we've got to kind of fit into that framework um, in order to get our recognition for our athletes. So if, if our guys leave here in South Africa and want to go compete in another country, they, and, and you don't have that framework behind you, you can't represent the country. It's not official. And obviously, you know, representing your country, going to, going to a world event, wearing that blazer with your country's logo on it is a big thing, right? I mean, that's like, that's like the highest accolade in sport. And you, we can't get that unless we are part of this entire framework and system. So the only way that we can do that was to say, well, hold a second, we need an international federation. And what do we need to do that? Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of um, trying to read up on other sports, uh, not even not necessarily a shooting sports. I mean, I was looking at stuff uh, right across the board um, um, to try and understand how that framework works. And then how do we take that framework international? And, and how does that work? And then these phone calls to, to, to Marcus, to Tiff, um, you know, trying to, trying to understand what's happening in your countries. How does it work over there? What do we got to do? And you know, Marcus has got the same problem. It's, um, you know, they, 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 they can't get their federation off the board, off the ground without having an international federation. Whereas in South Africa, we're quite easy, quite lucky in that, um, I mean, I was talking to Grant a little bit earlier. He's the, he's the um, uh, vice chairman here in South Africa. And, and we walked into our um, Sports Shooting Federation's national AGM and we had like two inches worth of our, our paperwork of our, our regulations, our rules, our constitution, our code of conduct. We even had a social media policy. I mean, it was crazy. And dropped that on the desk and they were like, wow, okay. Uh, and then 20 minutes later, they were like, okay, it looks like you guys have got your house in gear. Welcome on board. So we got that going really quickly. And from there, we were able to spring, springboard. Now we've got the South African one going. Um, the guys in Namibia did the same thing. Um, Javier in Spain did the same. same. And suddenly we realized, well, hold a second, we've got three countries actually part of this framework already. So let's get the, the international going and then we can extend it. Then Marcus can start using it on his side. It's going to help Tiff on, in the UK as well. It's going to help the guys in Ireland. So yeah, we started somewhere and we, we just kind of built on top of that. That's awesome. It's all complicated, all the requirements and what yep. you need to do to, to be able to you know, it's crazy. You have to have the international federation before you can do the ones in your country. So, 
Yeah. I think Marcus could probably talk a little bit to that. Yeah, well, we don't really, it's not, we, we can still shoot and everything like that, but the International Federation sure helps. And we all, but we're, what we're struggling with now is being accepted into our National Federation, Shooting Sports Federation, which is probably going to happen now. I've been doing that for like five years trying to get in there. So once that happens, we'll, we'll be able to buy, uh, we have to have license on our guns, obviously. So right now I'd say 95% of all rifles in the precision rifle game over here are on a hunting license because we can't get them on a sport shooting license because we're not a recognized sport. And that's the whole thing with this trying to, because you're capped at being able to own six rifles. And if you're also a hunter and you got match rifles, that's kind of, you know, it's not enough. So with sport shooting licenses, you can have your sport shooting guns on that. Wow, only rifles. It's like a small range strip worth. Yep, pretty much. And so we're we're kind of already. Um, one of the things we we're going to ask is what's a, uh, you know, we always talk about when we have people from some of the our more locked down states with with laws. You know how it's different from here in Georgia, where people in New York or California are. Um, and just like, so like you just said, Marcus, you guys have a license that you can only have so many rifles assigned to what are, what are some of the other, I guess, struggles you guys go through being in, in different countries with, you know, our awesome American second amendment, protecting your rights for, you know, having guns and stuff that you guys got to struggle through. Uh, other small details that we have problems with is that it's if you put a, like a KRG with a foldable stock and a grip pistol grip on it, that's like a gray area because you you're technically allowed to own it, but if you're going to buy a new rifle with those features, you're denied the license. So if you put it on afterwards, it's kind of you know gray area, uh, which would help with the sport shooting license because then it would be totally allowed. But right now it's you know uh, I don't know maybe a lot of people do it, but I wouldn't want to go to court about it, over that issue. Yeah, that'd be very, very, very unfun. And, you know, it's a lot of these laws, I think, are, you know, written by people that don't really know a whole lot about guns. It's like, you know, I have a, a folding buttstock on here. Literally, the reason why I want my folding buttstock on there is so I don't have to adjust my cheek piece to pull my bolt out to clean my rifle or put it in the case. Like, don't see how that's something that makes my rifle more, more deadly. You know, I definitely can't conceal the thing. Like, you can see that thing from outer space. Uh, yeah. How about you, Tiff? What do you guys got going on over there? To yeah, it's um, it's not as too bad in some regards, and it's really bad in others. Um, so we have to ask for permission for each rifle or each firearm we want to have. Um, obviously things like handguns, pistols—they're all banned in 1997. Um, anything semi-automatic above a 22 is banned in 1988. So we're, we've basically got, you know, shotguns and bolt rifles, uh, which is great. Um, but you have to ask for each one and provide reason to your police force why you want that particular firearm. So if you've got a, like a 243 and you want a 308, you have to say why you want the 308 uh, and not just 243 doesn't do it. You have to justify each one, <laughs> which is, yeah, kind of part of it. Um, and the forces will start getting twitchy when you get above sort of 10, a dozen or so. Um, and it's fine, you can have more, you just got to justify them and have, you know, alarm systems and all our firearms, you can't have them just like lying around the house, they've all got to be in big safes and secure. Uh, and the ammunition's kept separately and locked away in a safe. Um, so there's, there's nothing in the nightstand, that's for sure. 
Uh, it's a, a very different mentality over here. Um, and then we have similar with Marcus, we have the, the field shooting and the target shooting. So you can get a license for, for one or the other or both. Um, but if you want to get a one just for target shooting to just shoot matches, it takes three to six to nine months to go through a club to get approved, to then get the license, to then apply for the firearm. And then the police might take six months to give you the firearm. So from day dot to actually getting the firearm, it might take you a year. So getting firearms over there is like getting a suppressor here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they can buy a suppressor over the counter. Yeah, that's it. So we just need a license and a suppressor is considered the same as a rifle. So oh. in law, a suppressor is one thing, a rifle is another. You just, and if you get a rifle for hunting, you just get a suppressor chucked on and it doesn't cost exactly. you anything more. That we is wait, crazy. Uh, I think we got two or three weeks right now and a $30 application fee and you can own as many suppressors as you want. Just picked up two GSL suppressors a, a few weeks back after a five and a half month wait and $200 taxes on. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I got a, a suppressor for my yeah. little 22 and I want to say it's 300 and something dollar suppressor with 200 and we still have a regular sales tax on top of it. So, you know, you pay like your 8% on top of that and then it's crazy. Yeah, I'm over here. It's a little bit more like, uh, so would, would, you, would you like a suppressor with that rifle? You know, like kind of like fries, fries with your, with your really? DVDs, you know? Isn't, isn't yeah, Warren, you can, Warren you can, selling those things for like 160 bucks or something? Um, yeah, probably around about there. Yep, around about there. Yeah, 160 bucks, guys. Time, yeah, cheaper than a muzzle brake. Yeah. Cheaper than the tax stamp, yeah. You just, yeah. I know when I, I plan next time I go to South Africa to go hunting, I'm just going to buy a suppressor and go hunting and then just leave it with one of my buddies there. Say so that's yeah, a very good plan. You guys over there in the United States, you have a, your suppressors are very expensive. Like, like we're like with Rob there, I, a good Swedish made suppressor for hunting. It's, I don't know, 200, 250 bucks. Yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're about a thousand dollars. Oh, and on top of that, the paperwork to do it all is so much of it that some places will charge you hundred and fifty dollars to fill out the paperwork to submit to the ATF. Damn. I got I got lucky on that one. My buddies at uh, Classic Jewelry and Loan out here, they uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> just like we'll fill this out for you. Crazy. Mm -hmm. So. For the U.S. team, so Scott, you're president, but who all is involved from the U.S.? We're working on that, and um, and it was one of those things I kind of wanted to make sure this thing hit critical mass before we kind of introduced it to the U.S. and and you know, so we kind of kept it quiet, and it's like, okay, we got a world championship now. Okay, guys are getting really interested in this. So again, Eric Lundberg, um, who's he's been RO in matches and coming to matches since, since uh, 2009, 2010, something like that. Really well respected guy puts a lot of effort into it and doesn't ask for anything back. Um, and then Katie Godfrey, who's in the industry um, right now, Sean Murphy. Um, we're looking at a few other guys. We're going to try to get a good collection of folks that are in the industry and shooters to, um, make the selections for the U S team. 
Um, I wanted to kind of keep it at the shooter level and be grassroots, bottom up effort. Um, guys that want to get involved and want to be part of the solution, um, they're they're getting invited on, and we'll, we'll probably eventually have five to seven guys and gals, you know, within the industry. But again, that's that's not really. Um, I don't have a whole lot of say so over that. I basically said, you know, Katie and, and Eric stepped up first about seven months ago. Um, Eric kind of wrote the RO, RO guidelines and some of the rules and safety aspects of for the international side of the house. And he just, he kept on going with it. So I was like, okay, Eric, you're, you're it, man. And, and um, so that's kind of how, the U.S. team is is going to end up happening, and we're looking at again. We're looking at um, uh, kind of the recommendation I gave Eric was as far as picking out or you know coming up with the team was cast the net out over the whole entire because we have such a wide variety of shooting here. We have field matches. We have your classic PR East Coast PRS match. We have competition dynamics. We have Mammoth. We have Vortex Extreme. We have the um, the, the Hunter series, we have the NRL, which the NRL, kind of the, the NRL and the PRS are kind of the, the, it's basically the same product. It's, we're doing the same things, just kind of a West Coast, East Coast kind of feel to it. Um, but with the different divisions, we're going to have to find 308 shooters, seniors, um, youngsters, ladies. We're going to have to find guys that shoot the classic rifle division, which I'm, I'm probably most excited about that. Um, because it, it kind of follows um, the the hunting format that you know I came up with a couple of years ago with the Night Force match, and then the the Hornady uh, Precision Hunters um, Steel Challenge. Um, trying to look, trying to go back to the kind of your classic hunting rifle, you know, sixteen pounds or less, um, you know, with a, a formidable cartridge instead of you know twenty two br 6br something like that we're looking at something with some energy but anyway um you know it i got off on a tangent there but anyway it's it's like again it's not really it's not really up to me anymore on the u.s side of the house i'm trying to stay at the international level and assist those guys where they need to be and then eric is going to be you know he's he's doing his own thing now so um it's exciting so U.S. shooters blow up Eric's private messenger on Facebook, and <laughs> <laughs> you saw you saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll have uh, yeah Team Oklahoma. I mean, you know, there's so we're looking at um, what is it? It's 35 shooters. So we've got actually it's more than that. It's almost 40 shooters. So you've got 25 just in open. So open men's, open ladies, open military uh junior and um senior and then you have um we have classic uh limited which is our version of tactical 223308 and then um we have factory rifle which is going to be a lot more strict i think than our than our prs rules for uh production so um and that was that was you know probably what tiff um maybe seven months of us going back and forth rob between and marcus i think that was the most heated debate 
I've had in a long time was, you that's, know, just that's trying still to figure out. Yeah, it's still ongoing, of course. And, and you know, it, it, this will be the first, you know, the, the first world championships. And we're going to get input, obviously. And, and yep. what we're, you know, it's one of those things I like to, I like to have, we're running a match or, or, you know, any kind of organization I'm involved in. I like to have a, a feedback loop for our customers to, 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 to bring concerns to us, you know, not just from the customers, the shooters, but from the industry, like, okay, you know, this, you know, this is a pretty good framework. We have a couple ideas and if it makes sense, by all means, we're going to use them. I mean, this isn't, uh, are, I think if I can jump in there, yeah, it's, well, it, 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 it's, uh, um, go ahead. I mean, well, if I can jump in. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of, um, the, I think what's really cool about this entire thing is the, this is a sports federation. This is not a one man show. This is not a, this is a federation of countries coming together who are bringing their ideas into this. It's not a, these are the rules. The rules we've got at the moment are a, a decent peg in the sand. It's as good as we can get them. You know, it, it's as good as um, 24 of us sitting around a table going back and forth can, can get the rules to a point that the match is going to work. Mm-hmm. Are they good enough? We, we certainly hope so. We, we've, we've put a lot of time and effort into it, but they need to improve and they will improve as we shoot a world championship, as countries come to us and say, guys, this is just not working. We need to fix that. And that needs to fix. If, if we, you know, if we, we stagnate, we're just going to get left behind. We need to be constantly moving, uh, not changing all the time, but actually listening to people, listening to our countries and trying to actually come up with a better solution, you know, for all of us and set, set a better yeah. standard worldwide. Yeah. A little bit of a course correction here and there is going to hurt. And I think to the, to the person, I th- one of the, great joys of this whole thing for me was that these guys are all ego free and their, their egos attached to the outcome and not the process. So yeah, not Marcus, um, not Marcus. It, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been awesome. I mean, and the, my problem is it's like, okay, now I want to go shoot the Viking series. I shot one at, I, I shot at Tiff's close. I went down to, I didn't get to shoot a match because we were going to shoot a match in South Africa, but then um, like Diane and I had to basically change or we bumped our flight back up four days so that we could actually get home or else I'd probably still be in South Africa. So that was this March. So like March, I was supposed to fly back, what, March 24th. We were going to have the match on the 22nd, 23rd. And then we we bumped everything up, had to cancel everything, and flew back to empty airports on the way home. I mean, it was it was just it was kind of nutty, but so. But now, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited li- to kind of travel. Go ahead, sorry. Tell us a little bit about the format of the match. Like, I think everybody is uh, it's getting to be a buzz now about what is this match? Is it going to be a PRS style match? Is it going to be more like a sniper field match? Is it going to be, I see it's got team and individual portions. Is it the team where it's going to be a primary secondary type thing like mammoth is, or is it going to be them? How kind of tell us what you can, I know it's probably still being developed, but what you can about what type of match it's going to be. Well, it's, it's going to be an individual match like a, a PRS match, a Viking series match, a South Africa match. What we're, what, 
my, the the goal is to have it as an international feeling match instead of you know if i if i go to um you know if i go to an altus you know and i those guys are friends of mine you know i go down there i have a pretty good idea what i'm, I'm it's going to be 90 percent barricades there'll be a little bit of prone there won't be any blind stages because everybody knows the place already and everything's marked it's it's you know it's a traditional kind of square range it's an awesome place to shoot but you kind of know what to expect when you go there versus um, after talking with Marcus, um, like the Swedes, they don't let you get behind glass. You can't, you can't look down range until it's time, time for you to shoot. So we're going to try to incorporate some of that stuff in there. Um, Rob's got the way the South Africans do it. It's kind of, they've got kind of the same feel as a PRS match, but again, it's, they've got their own kind of flavor to it. And um what I'm going to work with Javier and we're going to try to capture that. You know, we've got a really good staff of guys. They're going to give me a bunch of ideas. We're going to work with Javier. It looks like he's got a really cool piece of land. It looks uh, kind of like the desert Southwest. So they're just, I think just outside of wine country in Spain. So, um, you know, I think the, the potential there um, is huge. So we're going to try to get it to where it's a mix of a field match, kind of your traditional barricade uh, PRS match with some blind stages mixed in. Um, there's some challenges there for sure to try to get that feel down, but I think we're, and, and then as far as the team goes, you, you, um, the way Rob and, and the crew have framed it is that you're gonna take three of your best shooters, their scores count towards the country's team score. So there'll be a, uh, there'll be individual trophies. There'll also be, you know, your, your main, you know, like your open, you know, uh, world champions trophy. So um, it's still an individual match. It's just that your, your top three guys are going to count in each one of the divisions. Yeah, so like gymnastics at the Olympics. Exactly. They're, all going, yeah. for, they're exactly. all going for individual. However, they take the top and that's the yep. USA's score and South Africa's score. Correct. Yeah, yep. exactly. Exactly. Yep. And it gives you that chance to have one, one Mulligan score. Um, one guy has a bad day, doesn't rip your whole team apart. You've got that, that, that fullback position still to, um, uh, to make up the team score. Mm -hmm. So I know uh, <clears throat> three guys in Oklahoma that have volunteered to be those three guys for the U.S., <laughs> they're, they're, they're all over here. That J, those JTAC guys. Yeah. Yeah, the Oklahoma. Absolutely, Avengers. no doubt. Yeah. Well, and then, well, you're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to get uh, Rick Reeves. We're going to have to get Brian Allen, you know, uh, Phil Cash. And we're going to have to get those guys the fired up for the, the 55 and older crowd. I still won't be old enough. So to shoot the seniors, but. You will in time. You're getting older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt so about that. So what else can you tell us kind of about the, the plan for the match? Like this is going to be a lot of shooters. How many days are you planning on running this match over? Have we thought that out yet? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, we're figuring two, 200 to 250 per day. We can run that pretty comfortable it, that the, the, I mean, the, the precedent has been set, you know, um, uh, Shannon K is able to run almost 400 guys through his, you know, his facility in a weekend. Um, it does take, it, it will take some effort on our, o, our O's part. We are going to have some language barriers to work with. So, 
Um, you know, even even the the night four CLR match, I run 250 guys there with two two and a half stages, and it's all prone. And I, you know, it's it, it makes for long days, but I think we're going to be able to do it. So, in the neighborhood of, um, I'm thinking within six days we can handle up to you know 750 shooters. Um, yeah, That's but again. Shooters. Yeah, it, it was, you know, yeah. lot, lot, last week was fine. So a week before we launched was fine. It was like the 12 countries and we were, we were chatting. Yeah, we can handle this. Isn't that a hassle? No problem at all. Yeah. And then this, then, then, last, then we launched and the request started coming in from countries to join us. And we're kind of going, we're going to need another two days. Hell, we might need two more days after that. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger. It's, it's gone ballistic. I mean, um, I think people won't complain yeah, if they travel um, all the way over there. Yeah. I think people will be okay to hang out and vacation and say, I'll shoot oh, for yeah. a couple of days, go and enjoy the country for a couple of days. I'm waiting on everybody else to finish up and then drink so for a couple of days after that. Yep. So one thing, and they do uh, have Ibex. They have so. what? Ibex. Yeah, <laughs> These guys have already heard it today. Yeah. Like in 2023, there's going to be like, there's no Ibex left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. One of the things yeah, that USPSA I mean, does is because the language barrier, you, you were saying language is going to be an issue with the ROs. Um, USPSA is very specific about their range commands. And it's because yep. of IPSIC, mm -hmm. which is the international version of it, right? So yep. it is very specific. So that even if you speak Chinese, you can recognize what the commands sound like and know what they are. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing when I moved from um, USPSA and 3GUN over to uh, PRS, the commands are never consistent here anyway in the Southeast. They're not consistent. Some people will say, shooter ready, engage. And some will say, are you ready? go i mean you know it's it's always <laughs> yeah. different um yeah. sometimes it's a um with a timer and sometimes it's not so that's one thing y'all might want to think about is like making very specific range commands yep. that have to be used every time so that even if there's a language barrier you know they've been released out and people know what to listen to hey chief ro with yep. the mostest make make no yeah well that's eric he, yep. he, he's not on yep. the call but yeah, oh he's watching he's the oh is he yeah hey eric <laughs> i'm not seeing oh you guys you guys got the facebook live yep, so I, there. I i got like two massive monitors up here and i got notes facebook and zoom and everything going on here um eric said it's already done jen great minds think alike mm-hmm yep. <laughs> But say, yeah, like even at our, our like local USPSA matches on the back of the timer for the new shooters, they have all the commands written and it's like you say this and this and this and this and this. So that would help. It always yeah. confuses me. Yeah, those are, that's kind of minutial stuff that I know will get sorted out on, you know, it, it, it it's, um, you know, it, it could be an enormous thing, but it, it won't be. By the time we get to, by the time we get, you know, 17 months from now, the, the biggest hurdles we have right now is just getting everybody to Spain, you know, with their rifles and ammo. That's going to be, I think, the biggest hurdle for us. Yeah, we got a lot of planning to go on, on the whole thing. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big, um, it's a big match. And there's, there's a lot, there's a lot riding on it. And um, we've got a good team behind that. And uh, I think the guys are all, all we're all pulling in the same direction which is which is awesome to see across all the countries in the world everybody wants is, is really wanting this right now so 
we, we kind of started going into that we had 12 um, countries already signed up and we had a lot more. So what, what are the first 12 countries and how many more are pending right now? So what do we, what do we got now? We start off with, um, with Canada. Uh, I got my, my computer, my power's back on. Wow, cool. Um, so I'm just booting up at the moment, but uh, <laughs> um, but we got uh, Canada, uh, Czech Republic. Um, who else we got, guys? Uh, we've um, got obviously Great Britain, there's Ireland, there's Italy, um, Spain, um, South Africa, USA, uh, Sweden, uh, Norway. Um, who else we got on that? So I'm just just everything's kind of booting up right now. Um, got the list. He keeps track I've got of the list. Yeah, I'm trying to keep track of stuff. It's kind of it's, it's been very entertaining. Um, Obviously, Spain, France, Germany. Yep. So right now, and then Australia. and then this week, oh yeah, not Australia. Added onto that. Um, this week we've got. So we've been contacted by guys in Argentina, Belgium, Chile, uh, Denmark, France, Germany, Greece, Latvia, Lithuania, Malta. Uh, New Zealand, uh, Poland, Russia, Serbia, Slovenia, Slovakia, Switzerland, Ukraine, and Hungary. So yeah, Malta 2024. Ooh. Yeah, those guys. Those, those, yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, you think we? You think we've got problems? I mean, they've got a, their <laughs> longest range in Malta is a 30 meter range. <laughs> so Wait, um, pistol the, range. Wow. Yeah, like a pistol range. So they, they, they travel overseas all the time. They literally jump on a boat, head over to, to Greece or to wherever they got to go to, and um, they go and shoot there. So, I mean, all these countries have got challenges um, right across the world. But it, it's awesome to see this, this all coming together. So that, that is it's, awesome it's, that you got that uh, much interest. Yeah, it's breathtaking, actually, when um, Tiff and tiff and rob are like going back and forth like holy shnikes it's this is this is a little more than we expected yeah um i oh, had high hopes and I, you know secretly with rob i was saying this thing's gonna get freaking huge and you just we need to get ready i i think i told tiff and marcus this too is like this gonna get a lot bigger a lot faster than you think so this is the yeah. olympics of shooting yeah it, it really is the olympics of prs i mean everybody yeah. i was just telling somebody the other day i was like i love the olympics and don't laugh at me if i sit there watching the olympics crying because like to me it just means something you know it's these people work so hard some of them well, that's it, kids. Right? It, 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 it's that it's that one time it's that one thing that's the one thing every four years right it, mm -hmm. it's it's you know there's gonna be there's gonna be one champion in your sport and i don't i don't think anybody feels that uh that pride about your country like during that week you know i mean I it, everybody comes together and you see people from different countries like competing and and shaking hands and encouraging each other when they have issues but then you, there's just so much pride for your you know you've got so much national pride for your country and i just i love it i feel like it pulls the country together and for once everybody's rooting for the same thing instead of arguing over stupid stuff First world problems. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that whole team thing is going to be huge. I think it's going to be a, a really big factor in this whole lot. And I think it's, um, you know, there's some such cool conversations I've been having on the world with, um, with guys who you're talking to a country and suddenly they're going, well, they've got these guys, but they don't like those guys. And suddenly they're all realizing, well, hold a second, we've got to talk to each other. We, we've got to, we, you know, this isn't just about um, my range and I want to have 
um, full control of my range and, 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 and try to control the sport because if I control the, if I control the sport, I get more people to my range and put more money in my pocket. You know, those type of, th those type of things we're seeing left, right and center. And um, this is bigger than that. This is kind of like, hey man, this is, this is, um, uh, this is you know, your country's team, it's your national team. So you, 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 want, you want the best shooters on that team to take your, your, your country's flag forward. That is really awesome. And it's like, you know, you kind of think like when I do good in a match for myself, like really proud of me, but like if I was on a team and like did good for my team, I'd be happier. But like, if I was the person that my country to go and do this, like that is a whole nother level of awesome. Yeah. And so we, uh, yeah. we, we, we kind of went into this a little bit earlier, but the question that has been all over the place um, has been how does somebody get into shooting this? Um, and not only for the U.S. teams, and I know we're, we're talking about, we're getting, you know, we got Eric and Katie here that are coming up with a plan. Um, is there anything else we could say for, for some of the areas that, you know, do any other countries have their teams together yet? Or are we still building? How do we, how do we get people out here into this? Tiff, you want to go for this one? Yeah, sure. So um, from the UK perspective, building on what Rob was saying, it's very much just inviting everyone on board, um, getting on board. It's bigger than any one series, league, et cetera, in each nation. So same for Scott, it's just it's not just one coast, one coast, whatever. All venues get on board. So in the UK, we're getting all the ranges and saying, look, you're doing these great matches. We don't want to run the matches. You're already running them. That's, that's the point of this. It's just taking those scores and collaborating them, finding little ways to standardize certain bits, like the range commands, for instance. Um, we don't want to be using sort of all sorts of crazy range commands. Suddenly you get to the world championships and, you know, someone's waiting for a buzzer to go or a stopwatch or a flag or a foghorn or something. Um, but we just standardize th those little things. We take those scores that are already out there and then we put the shooters together. It's going to vary between countries. So in the UK, it's probably going to be a bit too simplistic to start with, but we're literally just going to take almost certainly the top guys um, and then just put them together. So if you have a great season, you're in. If you don't have a great season, wait till next time. Um, simple as that, really. Um, I know some countries are going to do sort of a more complex scoring system um, that will take into account sort of the peaks and troughs in people's performance. Um, but here, there's there's not that many ranges. We've only got, for the whole of the United Kingdom, maybe eight ranges that you can run a sort of a precision rifle match on. So we're, we're pretty limited. We're a pretty crowded island. So we want to get all those ranges on board, use their existing matches, and just sort of get those scores together, really. Uh, yeah, I'll pass over to Rob. He's got some good ideas on scoring and <laughs> all sorts of those things. Um, he likes so, likes those sort of documents. Yeah. So ba basically, there's um, there's a you know there's there's been a lot of um, uh, yeah, like I suppose there's a lot of information on, um, available in sport um, that's been published. I mean, this is not like a new this is not a, a new thing we're doing here. This is a um, every single um, sport and every single nation has to choose. A team to go to the Olympics, right? And how do you do that? And there are lots of ways to do it. And you've, you've got uh, the, the two um, um, opposing models, and, and there's a middle ground in the middle. Um, you've kind of got the objective way of, of um, selecting a team, which is basically saying, "Hey, let's go get uh, let's let's set up a series of matches or qualifications, and the top three guys go, or the top four guys. That's our team. Done, dusted. Whoever gets the top top score goes, right? And then you get the flip side of that, which is the uh, the selection based method, which is um, subjective. We appoint a bunch of selectors and you get a bunch of people saying, hey, man, I want to go. And they put them, you put them into a hat and the selectors kind of say, okay, 
we've looked at the progress through the season and they work it all out and they come back with the best recommendation for a team to represent the country. And then there's kind of like a middle route, which is what we're trying to look at in South Africa, which is to try and get a, um, a there has to be a standard in, in South Africa in order to get a um, national um, accreditation or, or get your national colors to represent South Africa. You need to reach a certain standard in sport. In other words, you can't say, well, we only got, we've only got four guys, let's send those four guys because well, clearly the standard is not going to be good enough um, um, for international competition. And therefore, you, it, you can't have that accolade of representing your country if you don't have a, a set skill level. So what we've got is we've got a set skill level where um, our athletes are all going to compete during the season. And at the end of the season, there'll be a whole lot of guys in that, in that level. And um, we've got to try and find a whole lot of other shooters and other, other competitors to say, guys, okay, you guys get to be the selectors. Maybe what will happen is that the the factory team is picking the open team and the open team is picking the factory team, you know, type thing. Um, you know, the, the best people to, to choose the right squad of people to go are the other shooters around you. And uh, that's kind of the method we're going to end up using in the end of the day. Um, but we've got to try and make it fair and transparent and, uh, and make that process um, clear so that uh, people aren't feeling left out or they feel, felt like they've qualified better than another guy. Um, sure, that's going to happen. But ultimately, the selectors are trying to choose the best people to represent South Africa at the end of the day and, and to try and uh, to bring that trophy home to, to our country. That sounds That's awesome. Like, yep, and an update for the U.S. team. Uh, Eric said that they're targeting the end of March or early April of the Team USA criteria out to all the shooters. So we'll be sure, uh, Eric, when you, when you go to post that and let it out, let us know and we'll spread to the masses. Everybody's anxiously awaiting that. I think mm -hmm. it's funny that post went up and it was like my pay. Like I must have seen that post a hundred times because people were sharing it. Like, like man, I want to go and everybody. And that's that's when to go. I kind of I walked the booger on the back of Eric and it was because my my feed exploded as well. Like, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I was like, I actually don't have any say so. Eric does though. <laughs> I think I think the funniest, the funniest post we saw the whole lot was, was actually Alison Zane. Yes. With her. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Daddy, I want to go to Spain. Yep. She's gone. She's got a couple of different. She's got open. She's got open ladies. She's got junior. She's gone. There's probably no doubt. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. 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 I'd say as, as, as long as daddy says yes I, I'm pretty sure she's going to qualify yeah and you know then the next the next chore is going to be to get um to get our uh to get funding for it and then we're looking at trying to do it through um sponsors I think most most of the shooters that are probably going to get invited to go will have some sort of um sponsorship backing but we're also looking at on the international side of the house of you know kind of pooling trying to get some resources set up for some of the countries that that don't have the same means we do in order to get them to the championship as well so this is going to be you know a big effort on on that side of the house for for me and and a lot of the guys in the US to try to figure out how to how to resource this so that our shooters aren't coming out of pocket you know a, a ton of money to do this so I saw a post um, that you made about getting people to be representatives for the U.S. team. So what mm -hmm. all does that entail? 
what kind of people are you looking for to do it? Do you want top shooters? Do you want our road? Like, tell us a little bit about that. We are. So this is um, actually that the, the Eric volunteered and he's in the right position to do this because he came up with a bunch of the rules and um, we're really kind of cobbling together. Um, I had a talk with Nephi Cole um, this afternoon from NSSF. Um, so we are, we're trying, I'm trying to put together, I'm trying to, you know, collect or ask guys that I know within the industry that I know are there. Um, they don't have necessarily a dog in the fight, but they know everybody they're connected and they know how, how this stuff works. Um, and so really what it is, it's going to be right now. It's, it's just a few folks that are going to set up the, um, the criteria after that it's guys are going to go shoot. They're going to either make the criteria to, to get it, to get on us team or not, you know, so, and that's really how it's going to go down. And we're looking at using kind of the same methodology as Rob is, um, you know, we, we want the shooters to kind of come up with their criteria to make the team. And then after that, you know, once, once that's published in March, um, guys are going to have, you know, an extra goal to shoot for, if you will, not just shooting for, you know, take home a, a golden bullet or the NRL flag or, you know, the, the grand slam trophy. Um, but to actually, you know, work towards, you know, limited, you know, guys that are shooting tactical or seniors, or, you know, they're even, even the guys that are shooting competition dynamics matches, guys that are shooting the hunting matches, guys that are shooting the rifleman's team challenge matches. There's a, there's multiple, there's going to be multiple ways to get into this. And we're definitely going to take the best shooters we can within each one of those disciplines or divisions, if you will. That's, that's kind of the guidance I gave Eric. And now it's really, you know, his animal and he's got some really good help. I mean, Katie's super smart. Sean is, he knows everybody. So, and he's done this before he's done the international stuff. He'd shot on the U S F class team and he's, you know, one of the, one of the best shooters in the nation. So, and he's, he's one of the most impartial guys. I've, I mean, he just, he just, he gets it, you know, he knows, he knows how to make stuff as fair as possible. You know, so um, I think that's, that's the direction we're headed here. And um, again, I'm super happy to have Eric and Katie and Sean on board. Uh, James Gilliland also mentioned wanting to get on board and, and he's kind of a legend in our community too. So um, I think it's, I think we've got the right, the right folks in the U S to, to get it sorted out. There is going to be, there is going to always going to be growing pains with this, but um, you know, I'm pretty confident that, you know, we'll be able to field a good team. That'll be awesome. So we talked earlier about the divisions um, you kind of went through them earlier, but one little sticking point we didn't hit is about limited and the buzz on the internet today has been, it's all got to be factory. Yeah. You mean the battle tuna division? <laughs> yeah. And it's all turned out. Ammo, it's going right? to come down to, right? So, um, yeah. So <laughs> the, 
the what we're the goal is to have and, and it, it actually won't be that huge of a and it'll be a huge investment for whatever country but you have namo and ruag right there in in europe they make awesome ammo and you know we're looking at it would be basically 200 round course of fire less than you know 20 less so you know just ballparking it 180 round course of fire right because you can only travel with 200 rounds so at that point, you know, we get an investment from Ruag or Namo or, or Federal or Hornady, any, any number of countries that can ship, you know, 15,000 rounds of 308 overseas or 223 or combination thereof. We find out who's shooting what four months prior and we can drop ship that stuff there. And then the, the, the competitor has 20 to 50 rounds to figure out their data see if the stuff shoots and and that actually kind of in my mind that keeps people honest on what kind of um uh reamer they use right i mean you, you know you're <laughs> we're you know you're gonna you're gonna want kind of a standard sandy spec 308 reamer to go into this competition um you know and and the one thing about it though is 223 and 308 shoot good in just about everything i mean we that's been sorted out for decades so it's not like we're reinventing the wheel on that, but I think the the most exciting aspect of that is everybody's shooting the same ammo. You know, so, so that, that's definitely it's not a reloading So I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there because I know Aaron Hips watching the connect the U.S. <laughs> Tactical Division or Limited Division by Kinetic Security Solutions. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Aaron, we okay. got your back, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Hay actually hit me up, and he's like, "I'm gonna have to break out the 308 today." I was like, "Okay, he's gonna go back and shoot tactical again." It's uh. Oh man, he's one of the. I mean, he's 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 insane with on a with 308. Damn, I've seen that guy in action. That is insane. He's got some skills. Just I think one. I think there's gonna be some people that change their game plan on what they want to do this year. You know, if they have a division that they may want to go for they may change what their plan for the year was you know you know i'd like yep. to see more you know last year the effort was to try to get folks interested in production rifle because it, it, it to me it just looked like it was being neglected and you know that you can say the same thing about tactical for us i mean you know you look at um, you know the nrl and the prs it's very open gun centric and i don't i don't begrudge that at all i think that that that's just the direction of travel and the direction of evolution but i'd really like to see more involvement at that you know at the 308 223 level at the production rifle level or yeah production rifle level i mean it's it's um um you know the the more folks we get involved at the different levels you know the, obviously the better we do i think whole yeah. So. I think part, part of it was, you know, when we sat down and we started looking at these divisions was to try and come up with a, a nice balance across the whole range. And um, I mean, what, what really surprised me is nobody's talking about the classic division in terms of um, the, the magazine limit and, and, and not understanding that, that the, you've, got, you've got five rounds in that gun. Dude, That's the maximum it. amount of ammo you're allowed to have in that, in that rifle. And, um, you know, five rounds. And you're you're a good pocket load, man. Match. 
yep, top loaders are going to be are going to mm-hmm. be it. You know, that's that's a um, you got a top loading rifle, you're going to load faster than somebody who's got a a magazine driven gun, which is kind of interesting. And so that's that's classic division. Classic, yeah, yeah, classic division. Um, yeah, so classic division basically mimics the the heavy hunter um, yep. in the uh, NRL hunter series. That was not by accident. Yeah, you nicked that from you, you stole that from us, dude. That's gonna be funny. And then is there is there cow restrictions in that class as well? Or weight or so what? So yeah, I, it's I don't know. yeah we got a weight limit and, and power factor. Wait, they can't yep. shoot a 30-pound gun with a six dasher? No, no. Even if it's top loaded. Uh, Yep, it's. Uh, I think it worked out. We've got a, a 3,800. Uh, sorry, um, 380 kilogram um, uh, foot per second uh, speed on it. So I think we worked it out. There was a 140 grain bullet running at 215 or two, uh, two sorry, two, 2720. I think was the was the speed it was running at. Um, was the kind of the minimum you could get away from. Nice. And then what are we looking at for uh, for factory? Can I bring you know, a GA Precision Pinnacle or? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could bring an AI though. That's you can bring an AI. Rifle. We're looking for factory rifles, yeah. and and I was kind of looking at. Um, so this is kind of one of the things that that uh, we saw at matches. Um, so there's this problem with this this uh, whole financial limit. So just to give you an idea, right? Uh, and this is a calculation we were doing the last couple of days. It was kind of a bit of an eye opener. Um, if you take the five thousand dollar limit at the moment. Um, here in South Africa, the direct comparison to buy that specific rifle in, in the store right now here in South Africa is 155% more expensive than the retail price in the USA. So it's like a $7,200 rifle we lost, you, you got to buy, right? Then if you take a look at the purchasing power parity and say you use the McDonald index to try and work out, um, you know, you buy, buy a Big Mac in the States is, um, is I think $5.65 at the moment. Um, here in South Africa, that's $2.15. So there's a massive difference in price point. And, and, and what, what McDonald's is trying to do is that they're trying to make a product that is set for a certain person in the market, you know, because that's, that's their product. That's, that's where they fit in the market. And they milk you for what you can, for what the economy will pay for that particular product. Um, so basically, we've got like a 260% difference in cost. So, so you're going to take that, that $7,000 and I'll multiply that by 260. We've got a $20,000 price point for production. What? Wow. <laughs> right? So that's kind of like, uh, how does that work? So in, in, in South Africa, we've got guys who will go out and, and, and the most affordable way to get into the sport is to buy a Hauer, a 1500 Hauer, and put it into a Gun Warrior chassis. And Gun Warrior is run by Warren Bricknell, who's uh, he shot, your, uh, he shot the finale a couple of times. He's a great guy. He's got an awesome product he's built and brought to market here in South Africa. It's, it's, it's priced really spot on for the South African market. And basically, you get, you're all in for um, sub a thousand dollars, you know, type story. Well, I thought, you know, it's, it's um, sub a thousand, maybe it's a little more than that. Maybe it's just over a thousand dollars for that rifle um, uh, uh, in, direct, in direct, direct cost. So if you look at the other direction, you're probably actually looking like a $200 rifle in terms of price points or parity, parity price. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. different in every country. And so we had to look at a way to say, well, hold a second. We've got all these guys shooting these rifles, and they're actually open division rifles. Um, what other rifles are coming to matches? We've got Victrix, we've got uh, Accus International, we've got guys pitching up with Barrett, 
um, you know, all these rifles that are like factory rifles and there's nowhere to shoot them. There's no division to shoot them in. And we're cutting out these, the, the, the big manufacturers in the world who, who've been, you know, the, 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 the FNs, the, um, the Barretts, the, the AIs, the, the Cadex guys, they've been cut out of it completely um, and not, not able to, to get involved in the sport. So now, now we've got a, a division that, that opens that up at an international level and all those big manufacturers can, can get back involved and back in play. I think, you know, the, uh, at the U.S. market, too, when you look at Ruger and Savage, they were the, literally the only guys that got into that, the tactical rifle or the PRS-style rifle or comp gun at the right time. It doesn't make any sense for, for, uh, for example, for Beretta Group to come up with a, uh, a skew for a precision rifle for a market that's tiny compared to what they're used to. You know, they're selling $90,000 shotguns, you know, as fast as they can make them. And, you know, they're, they're doing, you know, $600 million a year. Why would they even bother with a, a $2,500 rifle? It, it, would, it makes no sense. So, you know, and that was one of the things with, um, with the Hunter series, the NRL Hunter series, I was like, it has to, in order for it to be a, a factory rifle, it has to be completely unmodified skew so you can't drill a hole in stock even but we looked at it differently national market because um there I mean, you, at some point in time we have to be able to switch out the barrel and i think you know we we talked this is one of those you know one of those divisions that we talked for months on um i think the fire controls are a lot more important than the than the barrel actually so at that at that point it's you know we kind of came to some some pretty general conclusions that you know the the rifle has to main be you know stock um with you know some slight modifications but without coming up with you know rule 1221 you know subparagraph a subparagraph one you know you can't drill a hole in your stock yeah. but you know i think i think we've done a pretty good job and the biggest thing for us is to be to include like what uh ross said was to include these companies give them a place because the custom gun makers already have a spot that's open to they already have yeah. a spot they have, yeah they have open they have limited and they have classic they've got three positions for the custom gun makers to to, to rest and sell rifles and we have nothing for the bigger gun makers yeah so, I mean, I think, Tiff, you can probably speak to it in the UK. You guys shoot a lot of AIs over there. I mean, I mean, I think every photograph I've seen of a UK shooter, he's got an AI in his hand. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, um, made over here. Um, slight confession of interest there. I'm, I rep, do Team AI, represent Team AI, Team Captain over here in the UK. So, um, there's, there's a couple of Team AIs, not just the US one. Um, so, that, that's, yeah, slightly my fault there. Um, but naturally, it's a home-built company, and we like to support them, really at the end of the day and it's brilliant that we've got this opportunity to actually offer and particularly even you know the rivals barrett and things like that we've got guys shooting mrads they're not competitive we all admit that in open they're, there's they're, they're, they're really good rifles they're great rifles don't get me wrong but they're never going to beat a guy running a slight a heavy six mil something or other you know all set up with archeron and everything else so it's really good that we've got this opportunity now to actually expand the potential for these rifles that just hasn't been there before um, and it doesn't disenfranchise those makers anymore, like we've been saying, which is fantastic, basically. And there's a lot of guys that have AIs here. I mean, we're sort of like, I mean, we, I've been running matches in the UK since 2009, 2010 now. So we've been going a long time, but it's only really started to gain momentum in the last sort of three years, I suppose, two, three years. 
Um, and about 20% of the field are still running AIs. So to have something they can actually utilize them for now is, is fantastic, basically. It's really good. And then Marcus with the with the Tikas. Well, the yeah, first time but... I saw Marcus, he had this tricked out Tika, awesome rifle. <laughs> but yeah, what well, I'd say when we we did a survey survey on the Viking rifle series, I think it was a year two years ago now, and it turned out like more than fifty percent of the entire top fifty or something were running Tika actions, and if not sixty or seventy percent, was insane. And everyone starts out with a standard Tika 6555 and then you shoot that barrel out and then you, everyone goes crazy with the mods and get a thick barrel and chassis and everything. But we all started out in the same place with the Tika and they're still dominant in the market because, I mean, the actions are as good as it gets from a factory gun. So. Yeah. That's and I think, awesome. I think part of the whole thing with, with the factory division was to kind of say, we, we, by taking the caliber out of the, out of the equation, um, we were basically saying, well, you know, the guys are going to game it. The guys are going to try, you know, they, they're going to put their six, uh, their, their six moles in there. Um, everybody's going to game it. So if gaming it is part of it, what it is, we're going to get to that, that almost level playing field by taking that whole caliber thing out of it. So what the factory division is actually doing is actually testing the rifle. What, it, what That chassis, the action, the trigger, that whole combination, what those guys put out there, take away the caliber. What, how good is that rifle in the end of the day and, and in the hands of, of, of the top shooters in the world? Yeah, I, th I think that's a good thing to take the caliber part out of it. I mean, because if you, let's say Tika and, and, and Sako, they, I don't think they make any six mils, whether some manufacturers make. And, and so then you'd be competing with a six five towards a six mil and wada, wada, wada. And I mean, as long as you stick with contour and length, you can run whatever caliber you want, which, as you said, Rob, levels the playing field pretty good. Yeah, it totally yeah. levels the playing field. I think it, I've always said it would be interesting to watch some of the top guys go head to head with RPRs. Yep, like literally yep. just yep. going by a yep. skid of them. Yep. Don't yep. show up with all the weighted this and the that and, you know, ammo that you tweaked down to, you know, like. Dude, and, and open the box right there, mount your scope, break it in at the match location on Friday, and then go shoot. Yep. You li literally pull up here. Here's your box. Throw your bipod on it. That's and, right. Uh, exactly. It just evens it out. And at that point, it is completely about skill because everybody is on the exact same level with the exact same equipment and mm -hmm. see, mm -hmm. you know, where the skill really is. That'd be a cool match. That would be a cool match. That'd yeah, be an experience. Cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's, here's your 10 I'll boxes of ammo, too. You know. Yeah, but you know what you you know what you could do you you could, you, you could the, the shooter that could sign the rifle and they could auction them off afterwards. I mean, you could have a Jake Vibbert oh, rifle. Yeah. 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 And then just yeah. bring your scope. You know, what are you doing? Yep. I'm going to a rifle match. All you got is a set of scope and some rings. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's all I need. And a magazine. It make it makes flying much cheaper too. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> yeah. You know, no rifle case. <laughs> just bring a bring a backpack full of clothes and a and a and a and a rear bag. Your kettle. Yeah. And a scope. Yeah. Like you, you could get a, get away with just, you know, probably bring some like clean underbridges and whatnot, but nah. You know, besides for that, you'll be <laughs> you can both you I mean you can flip them inside out and turn them backwards and you got four I mean use them four times. That's right. That's right. They're clean on the outside. That is slightly disturbing that you thought that <laughs> yeah. out. Say, on that note, we are moving on to the next question. <laughs> um 
so this has actually been asked a couple times of the night. Um, is there any chance of any sort of like a live coverage of this match so that people at home could, you know, watch and see how their, uh, Brandon Haywood. their team's doing? Yeah, the AG Cup kind of set the precedent for it. Um, we still need to try to kind of figure that out. Um, I know there's probably going to be media companies from all over the world there. I'm hoping that's the kind of traction we get with this. And yes, you know, people want are, are suffering from insomnia and want to, you know, be up at two o'clock in the morning stateside and watch, you know, John Pinch, Jake or, or Clay or, you know, Tate Street or shoot. They can't, you know, so that's that's the goal, obviously. Um, one of the things that, you know, it's like um, I love golf. You know, I, I play golf, but when I need to take a nap, I watch golf and we got to try to, we got to try to get um, to where um, this isn't that, but we can still watch it, you know? So I think having some, some folks that are really tied into the, into the game and know it on can do good interviews and can explain to, you know, the viewers, wherever they are, you know, what, what this guy's probably thinking, well, Hey, what's your plan real quick? Well, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to dial blah, blah, blah. Okay. Got it. And then you can come back, let the guy do his thing, watch him and explain it, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, I think that, you know, finding those people is going to be fun and also kind of a point of criticality. Yeah. Let, let us know on that. Cause uh, we, we learned a bit about, live streaming matches at at ag cup we had jen there being like professional sports reporter and streaming it all over the yeah if that it's uh, yeah if it's something you need out help like with. if robert gets an eight on this stage he will secure second place <laughs> yeah right back there like i'm sure they are loving hearing me back here saying all this I'll say it's funny she, she's you. trying to find like the perfect volume the viewers could hear it but like the poor guy that's shooting for you know it's like oh yes if he wins this stage it's an extra ten thousand dollars in his pocket like that is something you don't want to keep way through the stage <laughs> right <laughs> If he drops this shot, he will lose thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I would. You got to say it a little louder than that too, because you know they got amplified hearing protection, so it's kind of like basically don't suck. <laughs> don't suck, scrub. Yeah, it was. There was there was one point I went. I won't say who it was. He came up and he had just shot. They were shooting simultaneously, and I was trying to keep up with what everybody had gotten on each one because. The scoreboard was good, but it took a minute to get it uploaded. Like they had to get all 10 shooters through. Well, I knew who was in the lead and I'm sitting there doing the math in my head and he was coming towards me and I was like, what did you just get on that stage? And he goes, I'm not telling you, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I had to go ask somebody else. I'm like, what did he just get? They're like, he got an eight. I'm like, okay. So I'm like doing the math. I'm like, yeah, it was funny, but. No, that does, that brings a whole different level of excitement to it, you know, yep. and if yep. you can get viewers for this at some point in time, you know, it'll be, it'll, the sky's the limit after that. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but, you know, for a lot of countries and a lot, and, and even for back in the U.S., um, being able to see people have fun shooting and being safe can go a long ways for us to being able to protect our right to actually go and shoot, you know. It's one thing to be able to own guns. It's another thing to have ammo and a place to go shoot, right? So, most yeah. definitely, I. I was very surprised that you know I knew that a lot of people were going to watch it because there was a big hype, 
but like i mean we had like 10 15,000 people watching the watching the live stream on on some of these events it was yeah crazy yeah that last hour of coverage was because it got down to where it like it, every shot at that point mattered and it was like well he didn't get that so now he's out of the running for that or you know when it came yeah. down to dave and tate like tied for third like i knew as soon as the last shot went off i was like well we now have a tie for third and there's going to be a shoot off you know and, yeah. and you know the, the the competitors guys at tate's and dave's level they they already know where they stand i mean you know they it's not it's not irregular to be you know i i, I just dropped a shot i shouldn't have you know and i can think that i'm just i I'm, i just dropped four spots in the field you know, that's not, that's not uncommon. Those guys, those guys knew where they were and, but it's still cool to watch, you know? Yeah. I, th I, th I think that, that whole side that, that live scoring, if, if we can get to the point where we've got um, live feedback as the guy's shooting and, and as he comes off the stage, his scores are up on the board uh, and that being deployed across, because remember if you, you, we won't have the same shooters, so you're not going to like team USA in one squad. You're going to have one guy from USA in one squad and mm -hmm. You know, he's, he hasn't got the calls, you know, he hasn't got his buddies with him, but that board's going to be, so maybe, you know, we, we talked a little bit um, uh, earlier today about um, looking at trying to try to provide electronics uh, or, or live scoring onto each stage. And so the guys can actually start seeing their positions on each stage. I mean, that's going to have a, a serious dynamic going on and, and see which team's in the lead. Um, if we can get that right, I think it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, that definitely would. Yeah, that's a, that's a technical thing. And, I, and it sounds like we already have some volunteers, right, Jennifer? Sure, I'll come. I'm gay. I say she she was. No, I can't do the technical stuff now. Me and Haywood argued over that scoreboard a couple times. I'm like, update the scoreboard, and he's like, I'm work. I've got to do. I said, quit talking and update. Come on. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> and I worked on a couple ideas to to make it a little bit quicker for next year. And I've actually, me and my my super nerd brother have been talking about a couple other ideas to make it even faster, so you're not out mapping the scoreboard. Hopefully, by next year, AG Cup will have a. Uh, a tablet we could carry with us and you can hold it in front of you. I'm still impressed at the amount of math you did in your head, keeping track of like the top five during that match. I had the top five and I knew what they had and I, I didn't have anything to write on it. And so I knew what they had and they'd get like an eight and I'd do the math. Okay. That moved him to here. And he's like, how do you, how are you keeping that up? I'm like, I don't know. But next time I'm taking a piece of paper, cause it was a little stressful at the end trying to keep got, up with it. I, I didn't you. want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> But um, no, I'd love to come do it. I I really enjoyed it. It was fun, you know, getting to be there and do it. So yeah, I've never been to Spain. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think on the technical side of the house, I think you know it's, um, you know, you guys obviously are going to have a, uh, a a warm welcome to come along, and then you know I think between a lot of the other media crews, I think we can get quite a few folks there and get some pretty good. I know Travis Sheeta said, you know, with Connex Media is interested in coming out. I'm sure, you know, there's going to be quite a few other, uh, probably Steve um, from uh, Tacticholics is probably going to want to come out. But I mean, it, it, I, I imagine there's going to be like 50 drones flying over this thing with cameras going everywhere. I, at least that, that would be, that would be the hopes. Yeah. I think that'd be good. Let them do the high tech stuff and I'll just do live streams because that's what I'm better at. Let's <laughs> say so you do the talking, I'll get you on all the different places. Yeah, that'll be good. Well, do I we have any more good. lives, Greg? You know, I, I haven't been over there for a little while. 
looking at the lives, we are definitely international in viewers. We have comments. I don't know what they say. <laughs> no. We're going to have a matchbook in 30 different languages. Oh, man. That's pretty good. That's better. At Mammoth, didn't they have people last year that didn't speak English and couldn't read the there were cards or something and they couldn't read them it's kind of interesting how they did get like signed up for a u.s rifle match and they can't read english i don't know that's just what i heard that they couldn't they did some color-coded stuff too so i guess they could that was easier i'm not sure i wasn't there for that one this year i wrote it i wasn't there for that one but they said that there were some guys that didn't speak english at all Maybe they only spoke crayon. We were Marines. <laughs> I was yeah, going to yeah. say, they were, the Marines were there this year. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we, we got so, a bunch yeah, of people think... saying that they're going to shoot. Um, lots of interest in the 223 and the 308 classes. Good. That's I'm, the, I'm, that's I'm, the... I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to, to trying to see if, um, you know, we, we haven't gone that whole route of trying to grow our juniors and, and create an outlet for, for that. And, and to see the junior shooters and uh, the, the ladies and the seniors and actually have a proper division for them duking it out against each other on the clock, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty damn cool as well. I, I hate to break uh, it to you. We're yep. going to win the junior shooter category. Yeah. We've got some in your passport department that's not going to let it come. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a subsection somewhere. If you won a national level yeah. match, you're only allowed to open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, she might win that. Uh, and it's going to be cool. I mean, she's yeah. like she's like a worldwide hero. I mean, uh, Allison's doing so well. It's just awesome to see. It's like it's really like wow. That is so cool. Uh, oh, I think yeah. there must be so many people rooting behind her. It's just it's it's from South Africa's point of view. There are a lot of guys talking about her. Going wow, look at this. Look, you know, wow. Yeah. Cool. We, we lost our we lost our shit over here in Sweden when she won that match. Everyone was yeah, like, "What the cool. fuck?" So did all the that she beat. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, we're all kind of like, "Uh oh." Gotta say, I had like yeah, four like... group conversations. I would instantly explode. I forgot what I was doing. I was it, it was one of those things. I was like super concentrated on. I'm like, you know, leave me, leave me, let me, let me, let me get this. Also, I'm like. So it's, 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 the, it's the only one trophy that we actually just get to pre-engrave before we send it over. <laughs> exactly. I think that yeah, I think our, the, the, the team trophies, we were talking about those this morning. And I think those, those things are going to be the size of a Volkswagen. <laughs> they just keep getting bigger all the time, which I'm, I'm okay with. That's, I, you know, I like big trophies, so. You just got to remember, everybody besides for like five people have to fly home with them. Well, that one's that one's probably going to have to get DHL. I mean, and then, you know, at some point in time, we'll have to figure out where that trophy goes. But it'll literally be one trophy, but it'll have little yeah. we're thinking about having little plaques. So the names are on there and it's just going to go keep going around the base of the trophy. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an immortal thing. It's not a one-time deal. Oh yeah. Look at this trophy I got. No, it's that trophy is going to travel. Nice. Yeah. That it's going to, it's going cool. to gonna, gonna be a big thing to, um, to, to hold that trophy. I mean, that's, it's going to be a, every two years, somebody gets to fight for it. 
everybody gets to fight for it. And um, yeah. your name gets put on there. Your country's name gets put on there. You know, the team names, the, the, the four shooters who, who, who are part of the, the, the team of the country that won there, they're, they'll be immortalized on that trophy forever. That's yeah. cool. That's very neat. So any of the lives that you can read? Let's see. Keith Baker said we got the junior shooter cover. Um, Actually, you know, we got Sam Millard or Jake Millard. We've got there's quite a few guys out here in the in the West Coast that are youngsters that can that can lay it down. So um, I'm excited for that, actually. Uh, yeah, there's some strength there. There's some strength in the ladies, too. You've got Regina, mm -hmm. um, Allison, oh, depending Andy. on which way she goes. You got Jacqueline. Yeah. Yep, Jacqueline and Andy Kloniger and um uh miss allen you know there's yep. there i could that's just four that i could think of i'm sure it's going to be a battle royale there too because all those ladies can i think regina's won a couple of national matches and so does uh so does miss allen and yeah i mean it's 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 gonna be tough yeah lee oh keely lily so yeah mm -hmm. i mean there's Dude, it's it's on. That's uh, one of the things fun. we're hoping to grow in Sweden because we don't. Well, with our gun laws, it's kind of hard to send a junior team because you have to be 18 to own a rifle unless it's blah 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 blah. But we also not sure we have any. We have had the occasional female at a match, but uh, it's not nothing regular. It's the women have really really grown in the U.S. lately. I mean, I can't remember how many we're at the finale this year but the way it wow. fell and the way they were qualified there were multiple because some of them shot as juniors there were a lot of us there it was i want to say it was more than 10 that shot in the finale this year mm -hmm. so yeah, it was, yeah i want to say it was like 13 or 14 of us we were all in one squad i think it was about 13 of us and then tom fuller and Tom Fuller was. <laughs> Tom was on the ladies' squad. Yes, he was. I knew it. We were the most awesome squad ever, though. That would have been hilarious. Tom is Tom is super funny. Mm -hmm. He doesn't take himself that seriously, which is so refreshing. Yep. We did have the best squad, I will say. We just had fun the whole time and all encouraged each other, and mm -hmm. it was awesome. All right. Well, are there any other lives? No, we good. Good on the lives. All right. Well, then I think that we can wind this down to shout outs. So we just do shout outs and you can shout out whoever you want. Um, Greg, we'll let you start. Yep. I have a GSO um, and classic jewelry and loan for helping me do all that complicated, expensive paperwork. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> shooters and sharpshooters of Augusta, our local indoor ranges. PDC Custom for the most beautiful rifle chassis known to man, as seen behind me. Shooter's World um, Powder. It's, uh, you could still find it, um, and they have more coming. They're uh, an importer, so there's a bunch that's on its way over here now, so we expect to hold the shelves to be flooded again with Shooter World Powder here in the next couple of weeks. Hunter's HD Gold, because I'm blind and I feel less blind while wearing them. And Bortec to keep my rifle squeaky clean, or at least moderately clean every once in a while when doing it. <laughs> that's my fault not the fault of the products 
all right. We'll Sorry. go around. Marcus, what you got? Uh, I don't know what to shout out. Uh, thank you to International Barrels for helping me out with barrels. Uh, more than that, I don't know what. Gunsmith who keeps not being pissed off at me because I ask stupid questions. I actually have some patience. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's about it. I guess Matt, yours about the same things that you've got. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to hit Matt. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yeah, sure. So. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, sawtooth rifles, night force, proof, trigger tech, defiance, machine, uh, MDT, and uh, again, Bortec and Nosler. Nosler keeps me in pills, which is awesome. Even even right now, it's it's uh, I have to kind of bag borrow on steel, but you know we're we're still getting bullets. So those are those are the primaries. And then of course, I'd like to shout out to the the crew of the IPRF for all the work they've been doing. And um, it's just starting, actually. <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, I also forgot. Like, thank you to the. Swedish distributor of Hornady bullets who supply me with bullets. It's very important to have bullets. It's helpful. Yeah, it helps. Tiff, how about Tiff? you? Yeah, um, no, I'd just like to shout out to Leopold for sort of ongoing support this side and AI, obviously, and uh, Bagara for sponsoring the Precision Rifle League as the headline sponsor for the last couple of years. Uh, they're great, and obviously, we're hopefully going to be on one of their possibly their home ranges. Which would be great with the, with the world championships. So it's it's looking really good, really really good. So um, yeah, just as those guys as an initial, keep it short. And also thanks for all the guys for putting up with us. And uh, we, well, it's gone really well so far for the last three odd years. We've uh, managed to pull it off so far, and uh, we've only got a little stumbling block of like nine hundred people to a European country in the middle of a global pandemic to sort out with a load of firearms. I mean, there's nothing left to do really. <laughs> Easy day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Walk in the park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, Rob. Yeah, just, just, uh, just a big thanks to the guys. I mean, the IPRF team so far has been amazing. I mean, the guys coming on board in every single country so far, uh, all, the, all the new guys looking to come on board, um, you know, hook us up on, um, on uh, give me on email um, at membership at um, precisionrifle.org. Um, you know, we, we, we've got a lot of countries coming on board to join us. Uh, a lot of guys reaching out. Don't be scared. Get a hold of me, and uh, we'll try and help you guys out as much as possible. Um, to, to sponsors wanting to get involved, talk to Scott Sadly. He's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Scott's going to handle all that side of it. So, but yeah, but big thanks out to the guys. Um, it's been an incredible journey so far, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going going on to the next stages. Awesome. And for me, I just want to shout out all of y'all for coming on and spending two hours of your evening for scott and middle of the night for the others that got up out of the bed and kind of dealt with midnight or not midnight 2 a.m 3 a.m 4 a.m hours hey, hey the sun's just coming up oh my word so we're gonna have a sunrise um a sunrise show but anyway thank you all seriously for coming on and talking about it um and we'll definitely if there's more news in six months, if y'all want to come on again and talk about where it's at at that point and, um, you know, get more information out, by all means, you know, just hit us up and we'll be glad to have y'all on again for sure. Um, so anyway, just thanks to y'all. And then thanks to Shooters of Augusta and Sharpshooters of Augusta, who've always supported me here. Night Force Optics, GSL Suppressors, um, HD Gold, 
I think that might be all for tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Jennifer. <laughs> anyway. Great. And that will be it for episode 326 of the Shooter's Mindset. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Thank you. Cheers, guys. See you.